Hi, I'm Elizabeth Fink. I'm the Junior High Youth Minister in Springdale, Arkansas, and you're listening to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Thank you, Elizabeth. And welcome back to Holy Conversations. We're so glad you've joined us for this edition. This edition where we're going to begin to share with you some of the talks from the WCA Global Gathering that took place on Saturday, May 1st, 2021. We had a tremendous week there in Montgomery, Alabama at Fraser Memorial United Methodist Church. We had the WCA Council meeting on Thursday, April 29th. And then Friday the 30th, we had the Global Legislative Assembly If you listened to the last episode of the podcast, you got kind of a recap of what took place during that time. Some important resolutions were passed. I encourage you to go back and take a listen to that. But then Saturday was really a celebration of of what God is doing among us. We had a series of of marvelous speakers. And I got to tell you, it was really awesome to simply be in a room with a large group of people praising God, hearing the word of God proclaimed to sort of see a, a light at the end of the tunnel here for the pandemic and to travel and to see old friends and, and to gather together. It really was a reminder of what we long for and what we long for in, in God's kingdom. And we wanted to make sure that we share with you these great talks. They're going to be published as videos over the course of the next several weeks, but we wanted to give them to you on the podcast as well, because we know that many of you listen to the podcast when you're working out or taking a walk or commuting back and forth to work. So we're, we're going to give you each of these talks. And for some of them, we were actually able to interview the speaker after the, the event, after they gave their talk. Wasn't able to do that with everyone. For example, our first talk that we're going to present today is from Dr. Tim Tennant, president of Asbury Theological Seminary, who was talking on the Great Commission, but he had to leave right after the event to go uh, back to Asbury because they had a trustees meeting this week. But I did manage to catch some of the other speakers and, uh, and got a little bit more insight from them into what they were talking about. But I hope that these talks are inspiring to you. We're going to release them every other week according to our podcast schedule. And if you were at the event, this is a chance to kind of revisit those talks because sometimes in the moment we're so caught up in them, we don't always listen and hear all the things that we want to hear. So I hope that you will give these a close listen and that you'll be inspired and encouraged by what you hear. So this first talk, again, is from Dr. Tim Tennant talking about the Great Commission. morning. Thank you. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be here with you, and thank you for this honor and privilege. Our text today comes from Matthew 28. Hear the word of God in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus told them to go. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, bless and open your word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The WCA is to be commended for the vital role you have played in this long struggle to restore historically orthodoxy and Wesleyan identity to our beloved church. Now, we also cannot forget the decades of those who join with us in movements like Good News and the Confessing Movement in moments like the, Confess the Memphis Declaration, Houston Declaration, for decades, so many have joined this long and torturous struggle. But a new future is dawning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The General Conference may have delayed uh, the conference yet again, but you cannot delay God's work on the people called Methodist. As we prepare for this new movement, let us not forget to stand firm in our commitment to the authority of God's word, the supremacy of Christ, the great message of sanctification and discipleship, and a global mission to the ends of the earth. It's the remembering of this great theme, which of course is the, that we are a missional force. This is what led Asbury to travel 275,000 miles on horseback in our opening days. We are the called and sent people of God going all the way back to the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whether it be in evangelism or planting churches or establishing new global relationships, we have a mission to join with God's mission in the world. And are we yet alive for that mission? Yes. Amen. This vision of God's heart for his people goes all the way back to Genesis 12, 3, when God promised to Abraham, in your seed all nations will be blessed. The whole of the New Testament is about ultimately God fulfilling that great promise to bring the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And this, of course, finds its flower in the New Testament with the great commissions found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Don't forget John, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. All the Gospels culminate in a great commission. And our text today is looking at particular the one in Matthew's Gospel. Look at verse 16. We're told at the start that the 11 God disciples met with them in Galilee to the mountain he had called them to. They weren't, this great commission does not appear as the others in the seat of power in Jerusalem or in Bethany. It appears actually in Galilee. This was the mission field. There was a time when we conceptualized North America as being the center of the world Christian movement. But today, North America is the fastest growing mission field in the world. We have to think differently about what it means to be giving birth in the midst of a mission field. And all across the world, so many of our WCA partners are in the midst of one of the most vibrant movements of God in the history of the world, and we get to join God in that mission with Christ to the ends of the earth. Now, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him. We're told there's a large crowd. This is probably the 500 that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. And Jesus stands before them as the risen Lord. And in verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Now this is this is uh, this is why it's not the great suggestion. <laughs> this is the one who holds all authority and power, who is speaking to us. He sent before us even today as the risen Lord. We're not just remembering a past event. We are the people of the risen Lord. The world has seen countless leaders throughout history, from Nebuchadnezzar to Joan of Arc, from Alexander the Great to Abraham Lincoln. Many leaders have led great movements, fought great fights, dreamed great dreams, thought great thoughts. But none has proved more powerful than the grave. None has proved more powerful than death in the grave itself. But the gospel tells us the story of those women who made their way to the tomb that day. They went like so many that well-trodden path to anoint the dead body of their teacher and friend. And we often forget the radical nature of the question that the angel asked them when the women arrived at the tomb. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? We are actually meeting the Easter tide. Are we in this Easter tide? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? It's a reminder to us of a very important point that we are the people of the risen Lord. We often think about what is the implication of that question. It's like him, he's, he's saying to us, don't you know that Jesus holds the keys of death and hell? Don't you know that the saints have been redeemed? Don't you know that sin has been conquered? Don't you know the blood of the Lamb has made you more than conquerors? Don't you know that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Don't you know that he is the resurrection and the life? This is the gospel message. This is what reverberates from the empty tomb to where we are today. We are not gathered here because of some human organizational prowess. We're not here because we've kind of figured out something. We are here not waiting for the council of bishops to meet and vote on something. We're not waiting for like some torturous wait on the protocol. We have already been called into his mission. We are already the people of the risen Lord. If the brand name United Methodist is causing you problems, take the sign down and get on with God's mission. We have to be about his work. We must never forget that this movement is rooted in God's promise to us. And Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is futile. If Christ has been raised, you're still in your sins. If Christ has been raised, we might as well go back to wherever we were. There is no global Methodist church unless Christ is the risen Lord. There is no future for us. We might as well go home if Christ be not risen. But if Christ is risen, we have a global mandate to the ends of the earth. G.K. Chesterton was once asked, what is it that makes Christianity unique among all the religions of the world? And his answer was very insightful. He says, all religions can be taught, but only Christianity can be proclaimed. You see, you can go and earn degrees in all these religions, but Christianity is about the proclamation of a person, what God has done in Jesus Christ. Muhammad said, I know the way. Buddha said, I have seen the way. Confucius said, I have taught the way. The Vedic mediators of Hinduism said, we have heard about the way. But Jesus said, I am the way. Hallelujah. I am the way to God. Where is Muhammad this morning? 
Where is Buddha this morning? Where is Confucius this morning? They're all dead in the grave. But our Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Hallelujah. This is our faith. And that's why he says in verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The only imperative in that passage is not the word go. They're already going. They're up in Galilee. They've been going, going, going for days. The only imperative in that passage is make disciples. The whole passage is arranged around three participles. It is actually adjectival description. As you are going, make disciples. As you are baptizing, make disciples. As you are teaching, make disciples. It reminds us that is our central work. The people of the risen Lord, they can't help but go. We're, we've been blasted out of the empty tomb. Our calling is to make disciples. He says, of all nations, pontata ethne. The word there, ethne, is the word for where well, we got our word ethnic groups from. What he's saying here is not simply put the church in every country of the world. That's why Methodist Church had that horrible moment back in the 80s. They declared a moratorium missions because the church was in every country of the world. That's not what he commanded. He said, make disciples in every ethnic group in the world. There are 24,000 ethnic groups in the world, only 254 countries. And we've been called to plant the church and bear witness to Christ in every ethnic group in the world. And today there still remains over 7,000 people groups in the world with no witness to Jesus Christ, no viable church in their midst, and haven't, even many haven't even heard the name of Jesus. People often say to me, are you exhausted about all of the conversation endlessly and general conference about issues we should never have even had to discuss? I say, you know what, I, of course I am. But what really bothers me are all the things we never had time to discuss. All the conversations we never had. All the mandates we never thought about. All the Wouldn't it be great to have a whole day of general conference or annual conference discuss how to mobilize to reach the gospel to the ends of the earth? When will that happen again? It will happen again. Because God has plans for us. It's also recognizing that we ourselves are in the midst of the fastest growing mission field in the world. And let me say that those of you who are committed to building a new denomination, the Global Methodist Church or others that may emerge, you cannot build a new church on the foundation of anger however well-placed it may be at times. You cannot build a church with the bricks of discontented United Methodists who come into your movement. You cannot build a church with a mortar of triumphalism. All those things will not last. In fact, if in 25 years, half of our church has no memory of these struggles, that's when we'll know we have succeeded. We have to be a global force of evangelism. I want to challenge you. We need to reach one million new people for Jesus Christ. To do that, we have to plant 10,000 churches. 10,000 churches will bring us a million new believers of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is the only hope for us because we've been fighting for so long. If we just get together with each other, we'll find something else to fight about. We have to be focused outward on the mission that God has called us to. Verse 20, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
we must never lose our long-standing commitment to theological education. It's so important we recognize if we do not train our clergy well and in turn train our laity well, we will be eaten alive by this culture. A feebly trained clergy cannot stand against the ch extra challenges we're facing in the days and months ahead. We have enormous challenges. Yes, it's expensive. That's what scholarships are for. And I promise you across this country there'll be schools standing ready to help train all future ministers. We can give them the best education possible because that is the hope that we have. And finally, look at verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that the great news? That Jesus is with us. He calls us the risen Lord. He sends us out. He promised to be with us to the very end of the age. He promised to stand by us. We have some very, very challenging days ahead. The next year and a half are going to be particularly difficult. We know that, right? It's going to be really, really tough. But Jesus is standing with us. We have to be firm. Think about it. If you go back, and many of you can remember December 12th, 1980. Now, you may not know what happened on that day. Most of us probably would never think about anything that happened on December 12th, 1980. But something happened that day. That was the day that Apple stock was first put forward as a public offering, and you could buy stock in Apple. Now, if you could go back, <laughs> we could push a time machine and put you back at December 12, 1980. What would you do? You would buy stock. You would put all your money into Apple stock, and people would criticize, and they'd say to you, what are you doing investing in Apples? <laughs> what a wasted thing. Who ever heard of Apple? They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't know what you know now. It would become the largest public company in the world. You would put all your money in it. You would go to your friends. You'd borrow money. You'd go to your parents. Give me some money. I'll, I'll pay you back. No problem. You would put everything in you, you had because you knew where it was going. You knew, would know the future. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We know where this is going. We can look in the back of the book and we know who wins. God is going to bring his gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen? And I hope I have a prayer for, for the last day when Jesus returns. Lord, please hear this prayer. I want him to allow the newspapers of the world to produce one last headline. Wouldn't that be great? The last headline of the New York Times. The kingdoms of this world have become the king of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Let's live for that headline. The last headline of the Wall Street Journal. Every knee has bowed. Every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. And, of course, USA Today, something like Jesus wins. Let's live for the last headline. Let's live knowing that God has put in force a mission that he will not turn back from. He's called us. He's given us a great mission. We are the people of the risen Lord. He's given us a global commission. 
and we have a mandate to the ends of the earth. Let's not forget it. Let's go about it. Thanks be to God. He's with us. Amen.